Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Modelo, a proud sponsor of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirit. It's time for JT The Brick. What's up, JT? Woo! Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Always great to be with The Brick. But I'm a sports talk host. I talk about multiple topics. Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Use the phone like a weapon. Wake up this town. You, the Raider Nation, have an opinion. You got that? I think you all get that. JT the Brick. Talk to JT. I'm on a roll. The out of control fans, the passionate fans, do me a favor and surprise me today. We love Las Vegas. When I retire and walk away, you better throw a party. You won't hear from me again. I promise you, unless you catch me on the golf course, get the blank out of here. Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. I'm going to be Mr. Positive. Are you kidding me? Enjoy everything we do, and please always feel welcome to call in and to be a part of the show. Big Boy Radio. Did I miss anything? Are you with me on that? And now, no, no, no. Here's JT the Brick. Hour number two of the show as we open up. Good to have everybody. Thanks to Vinny Bonsignor. He stayed for a long time, and Vinny's great on that. He never looks at the clock. He does everything right. He comes on and he just knocks out all the information that we can get. We really appreciate everything that he's able to do. Thanks a lot to Vinny Bonsignor. Also, in a little bit, we'll have an opportunity to talk to who what I think is a really good insider, a younger one who is right here with the organization, Levi Edwards, who's at every practice. I count on him for a lot. He sees a lot more than I do being in the building every minute of every day. He'll come up here as we look at some of the depth situations as we get rolling. We're talking about the Raiders' all-time team at wide receiver, and I want to thank everybody for playing along. I feel like a game show host who has participated in all of this, and uh, the wide receivers we'll get to here momentarily. And I like to tie this conversation into the wide receivers that we have now. And I think that Devontae Adams, if you take a look at what his career could be, and he's only played one season with this team. Only one season, but I can project. I already know he's one of the greatest players to ever play the game at the position, so I'm going to project that he's going to be here for a while. And that's just my projection. I could be wrong. He could get traded in a year. He could be here. He could sign another extension. I don't know. But I think Devontae has the ability to be one of the all-time greats because he's that much better than everybody else. This organization also had Jerry Rice. And Jerry Rice played in more games than I thought when I did the homework, and I was here for it. He played in 54 games, and he was unbelievable. And he had a couple of good years here. He had an all-pro year, second-team all-pro, and a Pro Bowl year. For Jerry Rice, they don't hand that out, and they don't give it to Jerry Rice unless he deserves it because they get heat for that if he didn't deserve it. And Tim Brown, Fred Bolitnikoff, Cliff Branch, unbelievable. When it comes to overall receiving yards in the history of this organization, Todd Christensen is fourth, but he's a tight end to show you what he was able to do. And that's kind of the career that was developing, I think, for Darren Waller if Darren Waller would have ended up being here for a number of long-term years and was here— I know he was an eight or nine year guy. We'd be talking about his yards as a receiver on top of being a tight end. But there was a lot of running backs who were in this category also. I never were going to put him here, but they put up big numbers. Starting with Marcus Allen, the team's seventh all time leading receiver. That's pretty impressive. Dave Casper, the tight end, was a 12. I mentioned Darren Waller. He's 11th all time here. But then you look at Clem Daniels, what, the, what, what he was able to do at halfback. Clem Daniels had over 3,291 yards and 24 touchdowns as a receiver for Clem Daniels when you look at these numbers. And Amari Cooper, 
I'm happy a couple of guys told me to go back and look at his numbers, being the only one other than Cliff Branch to have 100 receptions and 1,000 yards in his first two years. That reminded me a lot of Daryl Russell. May he rest in peace, the defensive tackle that we included in our group of the all-time defensive linemen because he shot out of a cannon and had two unbelievable Pro Bowl seasons in his first two years here. Ronald Curry, as I talked about him. How about Billy Cannon? As we mentioned him, 1964 to 69, he had 25 touchdown receptions on top of playing the position of tight end. He could do it all. He was an unbelievable player here. Darius Hayward Bay had 11 touchdowns in his career. He had over 2,000 yards. Marcel Reese, I mentioned him as a fullback. He's the 29th all-time receiver in the history of this franchise, ahead of some other wide receivers and tight ends who were here, including Randy Moss. And for those who said, well, look, how come I'm probably, and I'm about to give you the list, going to include Devontae and not Randy Moss? Because Randy Moss didn't want to be here. Randy Moss had no intention to be here. For the two years he was here, he had 11 touchdowns. He had uh, 1,558 yards. But I don't like to use the term cancer with a Hall of Famer because he has a gold jacket. And Randy Moss is one of the most talented people I've ever seen, but he did not like being here. So I'm not going to put him on a list, but once a Raider, always a Raider. And I'm mentioning him as one of the great players to play. Morris Bradshaw, Bobby Chandler, some of the other wide receivers who played for this team and stepped up in big spots and made plays when they had to do it. We're not forgetting any of them. You know, I'm not going to talk about what could have been for Henry Ruggs III. Henry Ruggs came into this league in a year, had 921 yards and four touchdowns. He was set to do some great things. Nelson Aguilar, who played for just one season here, had a pretty big year, eight touchdowns, almost 900 yards. So a lot of receivers here, if you want to get through and talk about any of them that makes sense to you, open lines rest of the way, 702-365-9200. I'll get to this list and Levi Edwards coming up here momentarily. Rainer Man, check it in after a real big Raider event, man, where you were FaceTiming a lot of. Uh, I enjoyed that, oh. man. Good to talk to you. How are you? Man, I'm doing the best that I can, JT. I got no complaints. At least I won't make any. Great to be on with you, brother. I appreciate you taking me in. And thanks, Bobby. I appreciate you getting me right up, brother. Hey, uh, I just wanted to throw in a call, man, because, you know, I always appreciate my brothers, especially with the consistency thing. I'm doing my best. That's my goal right now, working on consistency, working through a little bit of air turbulence. But like I say, no complaints. I had to get on to represent for the ambassador of the, of the black hole from this initiation, man, Morris Bradshaw. Now, I mean, like, this man, he won't necessarily be recognized for all the statistical, you know, any statistical prowess or anything like that. He was more or less like a glue. That dude was smooth as silk and, and, and cool as the other side of the pillow, man. He, and he's an ambassador. He keeps things together. You know, almost kind of akin to a, you know, God rest his soul, Willie Brown. But, you know, not as much as detail, but, you know, on that same level as far as I'm concerned. He really mm-hmm. paid dividends when it came to, to us with the black hole. And, you know, you always got to pay homage to the King Timmy Brown. Touchdown, man. He brought us to a really, really dark era. And for everything, like, he was that first real promise that they had that breakout star. You know, the next star for me was Charles Woodson. Unfortunately, he didn't get to play offense 
and Timmy didn't get to try to try his hand at corner on defense, but it would have been fun to see either one of those guys try the other side of the ball. And I got a chance to uh, do a little bit of fellowship with Timmy when I was doing my uh, my little bid over there for Babco at the Coliseum when Raider Man was AKA Beard Man doing the games. But uh, I had a, you know, a privilege to walk out to the parking lot with him when the twins were young. It was still in that stroller, and uh, I just had the honor of being able to walk with Timmy on a couple of occasions and him just treat me like a person and just really, you know, see eye to eye with a man and have him treat you like somebody when, you know, you're really just a fan and you're looking up to this man. He just won't allow that, that thing to be, you know, adjusted. He's a real person. I always admired that man. And, uh, you know, Swerve and Marvin Fernandez just because it's fun to say his name, man. You know, <laughs> shout out to L.A. But, you know, the Red Nation explosion was freaking off the hook. And for everything that was going on in that place, I'm talking about the fellowship was epic. You know, it was fun to be a part of so many different events. The Woods and Whiskey was flowing. That was really, really fun. And a shout-out to, I mean, all of them. You know, they got different factions and whatnot. We're working through some things with communication the Raider Nation. But I think it's on the positive, too, because at least we're communicating. And things are changing. Not all this, you know, Twitter bashing and, and all that kind of stuff. People actually open up their mouths and, and coming into communication. And I'm doing my best to be a spearhead to that kind of thing. I don't know. I almost kind of feel like, oh, uncle, this thing. I almost feel like it's a duty. So that's why I feel like I need to be there. Uh, I've renamed the kid event. We now call it the, the next generation of uh, Raider Nation celebration. Shouts out to my lady, uh, Timmy, out there and Miss Eddie Luna and, and the fans out there. You know, shouts out to the Misfits. It's just so many people. I'm not going to go in the name drop, but you already know we could play that game. But it's not necessary, man. The love is real. Raider Nation is real. And it's, I'm just grateful to be a part of this family. And I'm doing my best to put myself on the pinnacle where I can be a lot more involved. So I'm working on this podcast, you know, shameless plug, but everybody please go check out RaiderMan19.com. Check me out on my Facebook page, uh, RaiderMan19, and give me those likes and follows because right now that will be my income. I need to make that thing happen sooner than later. So like I said, I appreciate the time, JT. I don't want to take up too much, but uh, I appreciate this list you're doing too, man. This is kind of fun, and it feels in the hell about this dead air time. At least you ain't talking about hamburgers (laughs) and pizza and ice cream and crap. (laughs) You know that, RaiderMan. Good to hear from you. No pizzas and hamburgers. Uh, you know, I love pizza. My biggest. Uh, thanks for the call, man. Appreciate you. My, you know, Grimaldi's best pizza I ever had. And I got a quick, pretty uh, interesting pizza story coming up now. Well, I'll, I'll give it to you in a second here. But we'll only talk about pizza if it's a partner of ours. But I was in New York the other day. It was in New York Monday. And my sons followed Dave Portnoy and Bleacher Report. They're young kids. 22 and 20, and, you know, Dave Portnoy does the pizza review. And anything over nine, which is rare, uh, the best pizza place probably in the world is John's on Bleecker Street. And we went, and my son got a pie. You can't buy slices. And my son, my youngest son, who's 20, was there, and he had the pizza and waited in line. There's a line outside to get John's pizza on Bleecker. It's the number one pizza in the world, but not for me because I love Grimaldi's, best pizza I ever had. But my son wanted to do this. We sat on the curb afterwards done at a little area by the park there and ate this pizza. My son was in heaven, in absolute heaven. And then they said, hey, Dad, there's one other place that we want to go to in New York City, and it's close by. And I said, okay, well, what do you want to do? They said, there's a sandwich shop over here that supposedly makes the best sandwich chicken parm hero in the world. And I'm a big chicken parm guy. So I said, yeah, what, what do you want to do? And they said, well, you know, my son had his phone out and the app out. And he takes me to a place that was absolutely incredible. So we turn a corner and we pull up and there's not a line, but there's people inside the sandwich shop. And I'm outside and my son says, dad, we got to get the 
chicken parm. And I go, absolutely. I'll split one with you. And my other son wanted this other sandwich that they had there. So I'm waiting. And all of a sudden I see and I ask, who's the owner? And the owner comes out and he's wearing an Oakland Raider T-shirt. And I said, oh, my God. And he recognized me and we were talking. He goes, we actually listen to you here. It's the legendary New York City sandwich spot, Parisi Bakery, P-A-R-I-S-I, owned by a diehard Raider fan. So I tweeted out the sandwiches that we got and my son holding it out there. And again, I guess this is what my kids are into. They want to buy sunglasses and shirts. They wanted to go eat and walk around these famous eateries around town. And then finally, we went to McSorley's, the oldest bar in America. Abraham Lincoln has drank there. President Roosevelt has drank there. President Kennedy, every president has been there. Every leader in the history of New York's been there. And my son's of age, my 22-year-old, came in with me. And we sat at the bar and had a couple of beers with my nephew who just got married. And that was one of the favorite, my favorite moments of my life. It's my all-time number one favorite bar on the JT all-time list. Number one, McSorley's Old Ale House on 3rd Street and 7th Avenue. We were down there for that. We had an unbelievable session there. So I walked out of that, little pizza, little chicken parm, little McSorley's, and it was absolutely heaven on earth. So Raider Man, good to hear from you, man. Good luck with the podcast and go to RaiderMan19.com. And as he mentioned, you know, you make money if these podcasts work well. And I remind everybody, I got a podcast. A lot of people listen to podcasts. All you got to do is subscribe and like it. And then some revenue could come in for the people who host them. So if you end up having a couple of podcasts, help the people out like Raider Man and go listen to his podcast. All right, here we go. The Raiders all-time team, according to me, and Raider Nation Radio. This one was unique. I said trippy was the word I used in the opening monologue. Here's what I have. The all-time team in no particular order. The first four, the starters. Fred Bolitnikoff, Hall of Famer. Tim Brown. Hall of Famer, Cliff Branch, Hall of Famer, and Art Powell. Art Powell, who's still on the senior finalist list. We hope that he becomes a Hall of Famer. Art Powell from 63 uh, to 66, 56 games for the Silver and Black, 4,491 yards. That's fifth all time. The only person in front of him is Todd Christensen and the three receivers that I mentioned here. 41 touchdowns. He was just a consistent big-time player and one of the greatest, if not the greatest, wide receiver, along with when we talk about Fred Bolitnikoff's years from 65 to 78, Art Powell was right there. Now, along with Art Powell, I could have added Warren Wells because everybody who I talked to about Warren Wells, who had a troubled life and he had personal issues in his life, he played from 67 to 70. He had 3,634 yards. He had 42 touchdowns. His longest was 94. I could have had Warren Wells four. I talked to enough gold jackets and people behind the scenes and people in the building, and we were torn on this one. I decided to go Art Powell over Warren Wells. Warren Wells leads my second unit of the reserves of the four next greatest of all time. Uh, I have for the reserves Warren Wells, Jerry Rice, and I put in parentheses 54 games because I know a lot of people are going to talk about that. James Jett who played his entire career with the Silver and Black. James Jett, all-time for the Raiders, number six on the receivers list with 4,417 yards and 30 touchdowns. Swervin Mervin Fernandez, 
ninth all-time on the receiver list. Uh, he put up big numbers when he was out there, 3,764 yards. He played in a total of 86 games. He's in the Hall of Fame of the Canadian Football League, and he was a really good Raider receiver. And I added Willie Galt. Willie Galt, who played with the Raiders from 88 to 93, he played in 94 games, Willie did. A lot of people remember him more as a Bear, understanding why with the Super Bowl championship and the Super Bowl shuffle. Willie played a lot of years for this team, right under 3,000 yards with 17 touchdowns. So I got Willie Galt on that list. My honorable mentions include number one, Devontae Adams. I really struggled with this with Devontae. I wanted to put Devontae on the second team. Uh, We're going to put him on the first team for obvious reasons, but the second team signifying that I believe he'll be one of the all-time Raider greats. But there are just too many players who played 80, 90 games. James Jett played 140 games. 140. I couldn't remove James Jett for Devontae Adams, even though Devontae Adams has an opportunity to get a gold jacket, and James Jett does not. Other honorable mentions, Jerry Porter. Uh, Jerry, I really struggled with. I could have put Jerry on that second team with Mervyn Fernandez or James Jett. I put him as an honorable mention. He was eighth all-time with receiving yards and right up there near the top. He was a very good player with 30 touchdowns career with the silver and black. Amari Cooper, as we mentioned. Amari Cooper gets an honorable mention. Played a couple of years with the Raiders, 2015 to 18. That's 52 games. Rice played 54. Warren Wells played 56. That's enough games for consideration. In the first two years, two of the best rookie years ever in the history of this organization, came from Cliff Branch and Amari Cooper. I put Doki Williams on the all-time list because Doki also played a lot of games for the Raiders, 74 at wide receiver with 25 touchdowns. Those are really good numbers in a short period of time from 83 to 87. And as a fan favorite for me, Mike Ciani. I put Mike Ciani on the list as a Super Bowl champion from 72 to 77. He played 74 games, had 13 touchdowns, and, you know, Cliff beat him out. What would it have been without Cliff Branch? It would have been Ciani and Bolitnikov. The reason I included Mike Ciani in this list, and I could have put Bobby Chandler in for the Super Bowl, is Mike Ciani played in the greatest run in the history of the Raiders, 72 to 77, including a Super Bowl. Mike Ciani is the classic definition of a Raider who played in the greatest of games. The greatest of games, so I have him in there as an honorable mention. If you have any clapback on this or anything you'd like to change up, how do I have a list where Jerry Rice is on a second team? Well, I thought I made it clear he played 54 games. If Jerry would have played 80 or 90, he still would have been a 49er. The greatest receiver of all time was a hell of a Raider, but he's known as a 49er, and I think everybody understands that, and everybody can kind of come to grips with that. So that's where we're at. I think it's a pretty good list. We have one more group left on Monday. We're going to do the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks come on Monday, and uh, that'll be a day and a half, too, and we'll we'll get into that. And I think it's pretty obvious maybe who should be one and two on the quarterback list all time, but it's not obvious to me who should be three, four, five. You have Daryl LaMonica, George Blanda, Rich Gannon, Derek Carr. You start going down the list of guys who have played quarterback – for this organization has been some good ones. Uh, the, the elite two we all know are Ken Stabler and Jim Plunkett, but good luck putting a list together of top three and the three reserves, so you can fire away on that on Monday 
and then we'll wrap it up. Then we'll have the Raiders all-time team, and I think we'll put a big thumbs up to this for everything we came up with this summer, just trying to get you through the summer as we finally got you to Raiders training camp as I'm in the building today, and we're brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. If you get into an accident, these are the two gentlemen that I would use, Orlando and Alex DeCastaverde, because of the legacy of their dad, the clerks that they have, the young attorneys, the attorneys that have been with them for a while, and the fact that they know the people in town and they know how to get you out of these issues if you're really in a tough spot and you've been injured. You need the best of the best. The DeCastaverde Law Group, 702-222-9999. Levi Edwards will join us in studio coming up here in a little bit. And a good day to take phone calls from inside training camp. We are the only show in the Raider universe inside the building today. Dave Ziegler's right down the hall. The president is right down the hall. The coaches are right here. I bump into them when I get coffee. You can penetrate into the building in Henderson, Nevada at training camp. JT on the flagship of the Silver and Black. The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. Yeah, JT back with you inside the Raiders facility. The Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center was at practice earlier today. And we'll be at practice next week as the Niners come to town. And there'll be a scrimmage with the Niners that should be very hardy and physical and intense. And we'll have the Niner game. And that will coincide with the Raiders alumni weekend. And no one does it better. Not just saying it. I am biased. And you know this to be true. No one does it better than the Raiders. They'll bring in all of their alumni, as in all of them, who are able to attend And there'll be a weekend with them of private events, functions, and then they'll all be able to attend the game on Sunday. This is a preseason game on a Sunday, and all the alumni will be out there. Last year, it was one of the highlights of my personal life as I was on the field introducing the alumni in front of, I think there was 65,000 people there, largest crowd I've ever been in front of. And I was in front of 54,000 on the field in Oakland for the 30th anniversary of the Super Bowl 15 team. And that was special. And then we had the Hall of Fame ceremony when we had an opportunity to talk to the three MVPs of the Super Bowl, Fred Bolitnikoff, Marcus Allen, and Jim Plunkett. This game against the Niners is going to be a big deal, everybody. The Raiders go all out, and we only have one preseason game, as in we, the season ticket holders. And I think some Niner fans who were here last year, the ones who didn't go, would like to come to a preseason game. People just have an excuse to come to Vegas. So then we're not going to be able to see a game until week three, and it's the last game. It's Sunday night football as we host the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's going to be a long wait between that first preseason game against the 49ers and then the first home game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is a very, very long wait. 702-365. 9,200 uh, baseball with the trade deadline. we got a lot of baseball fans in this market. Uh, Dodger fans, presumably most of the fans that are here on that, uh, that's going to be a big deal. Dodgers didn't do much. Uh, Mets sold. Mets did what they needed to do when they sold. The Yankees weren't really big buyers here. Uh, we had a, a no-hitter last night in Houston, so that's a big storyline. I think the Houston Astros are starting to peak at the right time. They didn't have to do much either. I think that team is pretty loaded up. But they ended up getting Justin Verlander, who comes back in return. So the trade deadline, the biggest story of all of it is Shohei Otani was not traded by Anaheim. Uh, And when the Angels didn't move him, that signified that they're all in. I don't know. They're going to have a tough time winning the wild card, let alone getting into the playoffs. But they probably did the right thing to the fans. 
and the organization to give Otani another month or so to play in front of those fans again before he goes to a new team. They're not going to get anything in return, but they'll at least be able to go out on their own piece with Otani, who's going to be an angel for life for those first couple of years in the MVPs. He's a lock to win the MVP this year. A little bit more sound from Josh McDaniels. Uh, earlier today, he talked about Robert Spillane, who's going to get penciled in at running back, along with Dion, Divine Diablo. Going to have to have a big year. They brought him in from the Pittsburgh Steelers to have an impact. Here's the head coach. I really enjoy being around Rob. I mean, he, he fits in really well with our group. Um, he's a communicator. Uh, he's really tough. Uh, he's all about football and you know he's he's a he's a good leader and so um, you know you want that in the middle of your defense you know uh, we want to be a tough group we want to be a smart group we want to try to you know take the ball away as much as we can and and Rob gives us an opportunity to do some of those things and improve you know and so uh, I think his teammates really respect him Um, he's a really hard worker uh, adamant about trying to do things the right way um, you know, I think he's made a huge impression on our team so far. I like what he said about Spillane. I'm going to let Spillane prove it on the field because I sat in this same exact studio, same one I'm sitting in today, when everybody was raving about Corey Littleton and a guy by the name of Nick Kwiatkowski. And they weren't very good at all. And a lot of money and resources went in to get those two guys to be anchors on the defensive side. Everybody loved Kwiatkowski coming out from the Bears. You know, I just thought he was an undersized linebacker. Maybe he could be at the right place at the right time. And Littleton was one of the biggest busts in modern Raider history. Littleton came from the Rams, working with Aaron Donald, and just absolutely disappeared on this team to the point where he was benched. And he was going to come in and be a cornerstone player when he came in, and he just disappeared and vanished. It's one of the most disappointing. Nice guy. I don't know him well, but one of the guys that were hyped to come in here and really changed the culture of the defense was Corey Littleton. And he couldn't stay on the field. And he was healthy. And he, at that point in time, at the end of his run here, he had no more confidence. So when it comes to Spillane, I met him at a big alumni night here. He was talking to Phil Villapiano for two hours straight. They both wear the number 41, Foo's number. And he, he seems to be one of the great guys. He was thrilled to be a Raider. Now he's got to go out and back it up. And if he's able to back it up, then I think that would be an exciting player to have. A very exciting player to have who can have a huge impact on this team early in his career if he can play that way. Trey Tucker's another player that I got a chance to watch for the first day today in pads. Vinny Bonsignor is really high on him along with a couple other Raider insiders knowing is he going to be a year one gadget guy where he's going to get these jet sweeps? He's going to be in there only on critical third downs? Or is he going to rip the roof off in his first couple of games here Here's Josh McDaniels on Trey Tucker. Yeah, very, uh, very mature guy, um, very bright. Um, you know, his talent, you know, I think is, you know, you, you, you everybody saw that, you know, coming out in the draft. And, um, but he's a very uh, good fit relative to our, our group. And um, he, he learns very quickly. And I think that's a really good trait to have for a young player. Um, he's not a big air repeater. He can take something, a correction, um, and then try to, you know, make that correction show up on the field the next opportunity that he has. Um, like every young player, he'll make some mistakes. He's still got a long way to go. But, you know, relative to the way he goes about his business, um, you know, that mature, uh, intelligent approach, you know, really works at it, tries to make sure he takes the corrections to heart. 
um, and then implement him in his game. Um, I think he's been he's been great to work with. Um, really excited about you know continuing to do that. Yeah, I like that. That's an important point of what he's going to be able to do. So a fast learner. If he makes a mistake, he cleans it up here really quickly. The tape on him looks unbelievable. Yes, he's undersized. He looks small. I'm not going to hear, tell you that he looked a lot bigger than I thought he did. No, he's a small guy. But I've seen guys like the cheater in Kansas City now in Miami. We've seen great players in this league who are undersized play great early in their career. And I'm hoping that he fits in perfectly here. He's not going anywhere. They drafted Trey Tucker when they could have took linebackers, defensive tackles, other players, a backup right tackle. They went with him because Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler saw something that could fit in with him. And one more about football being fun. I think this is an important one that we play here because Josh McDaniels wants the players to celebrate when they have a good day. When they do something good, cheer it up. Talk about it. Build on it. He touched on that earlier today. Yeah, I, I, you definitely notice it. And uh, I, I, I think that we all, um, you know, the very first year, there's so much time spent on, um, you know, figuring out the, the what, you know, and, and teaching the what and learning the what and what does this word mean to me and and you know while you're going through that there's inherently going to be you know a few more mistakes here and there because not everybody knows what it is and so I think the 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 as the time has gone on here and we're into year two we've gone through the spring we're into training camp I think there's a lot less questions about that we've tried to streamline some things to help that process, which always is a good thing for the coaching staff to do. Like, hey, we, we struggle with this. Let's make that simpler or throw it out. You know, and I think ultimately at the end of the day, uh, you're right, Hondo. Like, you know, this is a fun game. You know, that's why we all play and coach in it. Uh, it's a tough game. But um, the more we can understand what we're doing, what we're being asked to do, uh, the more at peace we feel, the less stress we have going to the field, um, being concerned about things like that, the more your personality can show. I like that soundbite because it's very important that this team has fun in training camp. I want to emphasize that. These are the dog days, as he said, of training camp. These guys got to have something that they feel good about, celebrate, feel good because they're not getting injured. Okay? Knock wood. They're not getting injured. The last eight days, I, my head's been on a swivel on ESPN.com, Yahoo, looking at all these sites, and Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter. Who's getting carted off the field? It started with Joe Burrow. Right, And then we started to see other players go down. All I care about, I know who's on this team. I don't know all of their skill sets, but i got to know they're healthy coming into the start of the season. Levi Edwards, kind enough to join us, part of the digital team here, Great Raider Insider. Do you feel like it's the dog days already, or feel like this just started? Honestly, a little bit of both, how wild that sounds. Uh, it's been, I feel like it did just start. However, it has felt like a very long process, and I feel like I've seen a lot of football in a matter of you know five to six days. Um, it's definitely starting to pick up now with the pads, you know, coming on. So uh, it's been a long process, but you know I'm enjoying every bit of it. And one of the things I noticed, you're a young guy, you're still new to the team, is compared to Napa, it's hard out here with this weather. And today, I just noticed everybody was just thrilled that there was cloud cover. I talked to a couple of camera people, and they were like, it was heaven on earth for them that it wasn't 109 degrees in a baking, humid sun there. There was cloud cover. We got a little bit of drizzle today, and everybody felt like it was relief. Oh, yeah, no, it was fantastic. 
the past couple of days, last week when training camp started, you know, you try to get out and beat the sun. You try to beat the heat. You beat the heat at 9 o'clock. Guess what? It's still going to be 100, 105 at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. So, you know, God graced us with rain the past couple of days. It's a little bit of a monsoon season. And so uh, it's been, it's felt lovely being out there uh, in the 70, 80 degree weather, you know, granted humidity, but you know, I'm a Bama boy, so I like a little bit of humidity. So it's been great. Now I want to go into this because Vinny Bonsignor mentioned it. Everybody is talking about this moment that will not go away. Michael Mayer getting dominated by Max Crosby, but it was good. It was a learning experience. He took everything in stride. He got up, he answered the bell, kind of a boxer, Mayer, every time he got beat by Max. And it seemed like Max knew what he was doing. His coach talked about a baptism of him into the NFL on the first day of pads. How'd you see it? I see it the exact same way, and it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how great you are. You can go on to be an all-pro Hall of Fame player. Everyone is going to have a welcome to the NFL moment. It is bound to happen. And for Michael Mayer, uh, he needs to be happy that it's happening now in training camp, mm-hmm. you know, than it is, you know, week two in Buffalo. You know, I, if I was him, just be happy that you're taking the lumps now from one of the greatest edge rushers in the league right now. He's elite. Max Crosby has done that to a lot of people, especially, you know, he's doing that to tackles. He's doing that to 300-pound men. So you are a 260-pound tight end who's a rookie in this league coming in and you're taking your lumps. So just get better from it. You know, continue to come back, fight. That's what happens. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how great you are. It happens to everyone. So Michael Mayer is a guy that I've been really impressed with throughout training camp. Levi Edwards in the studio. Check out all his work at Raiders.com. The position breakdowns, really good information. So we're going to go position and jump around here. I wanted to get your impression so far on Marcus Peters. Had an interception today. I don't know what pace he's at, what type of shape he's in, because you know, I don't know what he was doing before he got here. But putting on that 24 jersey, and knowing there's a stabilizing force in the back end as that defense is still pretty young on the back end. Epps is there, but Merrick's still a young player. Uh, Bennett's going to play a lot, and he's a young player. What have you seen with him carrying himself around this organization? Well, JT, it's actually really funny that you asked me that question because at practice today I was talking to a couple other reporters, and they were asking me, what have you seen from Marcus Peters? And I was like, well, I haven't really seen you know much because he's come in, he's new, and he looks like he's more concerned about learning the defense and getting acquainted within where his role is and also trying to coach up his teammates as a veteran. So I haven't really seen him do too much or really go – super full speed but today was the day as soon as I'm telling them this this was the day that you know he has a couple of good plays Uh, he had a you know a couple nice pass deflections he had an interception so this was probably the most that I've seen him do in training camp since he's gotten here so it's funny how you know I was like oh I haven't really seen him go full speed and then today he decides to go all out and show who he really is, which is a all-pro corner. And I know a lot of people have questions about Marcus Peters and what his abilities still are uh, at this stage in his career. But he automatically comes in. He brings a veteran presence to that locker room that you that they desperately need, like what you were just saying. So I've really liked what I've seen so far, and I think he'll be a great locker room guy, and he's an alpha, and he'll bring a dog mentality to that secondary and to that whole defense. Levi Edwards joins us, Silver and Black production. So face on, we'll wait till what the Raiders tell us officially Coach touched on that. Uh, hopefully he'll come back sooner than later. Tell me more about David Long Jr. and what to expect from Amik Robertson, uh, Duke Shelley, Sam Webb. What I like about this conversation is I only need one of those guys to start or get put into a starting role if someone gets banged up. And if it turns out that they're going to go young at that position with a rookie corner 
I'm good with that too, but he's going to get beat a lot. And there's going to be reserves with experience that might beat him out or give him a spell or take him off the field if he's having a bad game. How important is the depth of the secondary, which has been a colossal weakness to this organization since they've come to Vegas? Unfortunately, I must agree with you, JT. They definitely, the the secondary has not been one of the more bright spots of the team. Of Mm -hmm. course, the Raiders have not been a very good team when it comes to getting turnovers for the better part of you know, the the last half decade. Yeah. And so that's something that they definitely need to improve on. First, even though you asked me about the secondary, I will say that I really like what I see from the defensive linemen, and I really like how they're, you know, getting after the quarterback and how they're rushing. And I think the way that they play will also help this really young secondary be a lot better. So that's for one. But also, there's so much competition, and it's definitely a great problem to have because those guys that you just mentioned, David Long, uh, David Long facing uh, – Jacorian Bennett, the rookie, mm-hmm. uh, all those guys, Duke Shelley, Amik, all those guys have very similar skill sets and what they can do. They have different bodies and they have different, you know, kind of twitches about them. But for the most part, in terms of talent and ability, they're pretty similar. So it's kind of hard to pick and choose between who's doing better than another, or who, you know, because they're both making the most out of their reps and they both have been able to do really good. They have all been able to do really good things. So it's really hard to determine who's standing out over another, you know, amongst that secondary. I think, you know, Marcus Epps, he's playing, he's been playing very he well. He had a good practice today. Marcus Epps, everybody, jumped on a couple of balls, knocked a couple of downs, jumped the route. I like him a lot better. I know different positions and you can move the safeties around. But my, my critique of Merrig is he plays too deep. That's just been my critique of him. He plays warning track center field deep to try not to get beat. And okay, I don't know how they break him of that habit or if they want him to be deeper than expected, but Epps can come up and truck people, and I want to see what he can do with his hands. I want to see him turn the ball over. As you know, a lot of balls come out of the quarterback's hand fluttering. They get hit. The ball comes up there, and I think Epps, with the experience he has, can get to the ball quickly because he's going to be closer to the box. I completely agree with you, and it's very interesting that you mention that because – when you look at Merrick's tape at TCU, he was a he was a Jim Thorpe Award yes. winner at TCU, and you know he can cover. I've seen the footage; he can cover. And I believe when he came in as a rookie, he got put into that single high safety role that he was in, and you know under Gus Bradley. And then, of course, Patrick Graham has him doing a lot of different things. And so last year, it was kind of uh, has some growing pains of learning the new scheme, but. I'm still trying to figure out what his role will be because I think that Trayvon is capable of doing a lot of things as a as a safety that we have yet to see just based upon his track record. Uh, fortunate for him, Marcus Epps is a guy that will help him maximize on his potential because he could potentially be one of, if not the best safety that he's been able to play with alongside in Vegas. And, you know, you've had Jonathan Abram and you've had Deron Harmon, who was great last year, but... You know, Marcus Epps is a evolving star within this league. I wouldn't, I, I, let me loosely say star, but he's a guy that is mm-hmm. durable and he plays well and he's looked really good so far. And this might be the safety tandem that they need, along with the fact that they play a third safety. And Isaiah Palomalu has looked nice. And there's yeah, a couple other guys that they can kind of, you know, do things with if you add in Chris Smith, the guy that they mm-hmm. just drafted from Georgia. So this might be the best 
this might be the best year from Trayvon in the sense of talent that's surrounding him. It has to be. This is a, this is a, a go year for him. He's got to play well. Levi Edwards, as we wrap it up, I'm a risk-reward guy. I think the biggest risk-reward for Dave Ziegler so far, just my perspective, is last year going with that offensive line and letting it develop and leaving it alone. Started off with seven guys as we were in Canton. So with the Cantons this weekend, a year ago, he's got seven guys going into Canton to play. We don't know what the depth chart looks like. He's trying to figure it out. That was risky. And now I think the reward is this year, the stability of bringing back that offensive line that led the league in rushing with Josh Jacobs, or at least had the leading rusher, assumingly got bigger, stronger, and more fit. If Colton Miller got as fit as I saw him, I can't imagine what Dylan Parham looks like and these other guys. Now, there's no more excuses for this offensive line. I think there are better offensive linemen out there. I think that Dave can get a right tackle in a couple of weeks. I think that there's going to be temptation to do that. But if he just leaves this offensive line alone and they get better this year, that could be one of the strengths of the team. And I didn't believe that last year. And that is... Ever since everything happened with the last regime, with kind of the dismantling of the offensive line, mm-hmm. as we know, yeah. a lot of people have questioned this offensive line because not necessarily they question the abilities, but you don't know any of these guys really because this guy's stepping up and kind of starting to get their feet wet. And I feel that the offensive line for the Raiders has been a very underrated unit for two seasons now. And so it's one of those things where they still don't get a whole lot of love for how good they are, but then you look at what Josh Jacobs was able to do and lead the league in rushing and the success they were able to have as an offensive unit last season. And so even though a lot of these guys on that on this unit, you you still don't necessarily know their names. They're not household names. They're not all pros. They're not Pro Bowl guys, but they're, they're a damn good unit. Mm-hmm. And I really do truly believe that. And so... They're, they're starting to get better together. They have that chemistry going, and I really do like what I've seen from them. They're a, they're a tough group, and, of course, there's improvement everywhere. you even just talking about them potentially getting another right tackle. How I see it, Jermaine Illuminor, if he can step up and he can continue to do what he did, you know, kind of limit down on the penalties a little bit more, I think, you know, he can be the guy at right tackle mm-hmm. that can complement Colton. And I love what I've seen from Dylan Parham in the offseason. Andre's still doing his thing. Uh, the other guard position, that's very competitive between Bars and Muti and the UDFA they brought in, McClendon Curtis mm-hmm. and uh, Greg Van Roden. So that's a very competitive position that they're still fighting for. But the continuity on that offensive line, I love. They are a very underrated unit, and they deserve recognition whether they get it or not. What are you working on? What's going to be at Raiders.com? You really helped me out with these position breakdowns. What are you working on next? Uh, right now, I'm, you know, every day we're doing training camp notebooks on Raiders.com. So always make sure that you stay tuned to Raiders.com to read those notebooks where I just kind of do bullet points of all the things that I notice and see throughout camp. And there's a lot of young guys that are getting some shine and, you know, get to kind of give you guys an inside look at what's going on in practice. So we have that going on as well as a couple more player features that are coming around along the way. You know, so you guys can get to know a few of these players that you may not know already. Mm-hmm. So just trying to shed light on our guys. Keep asking those questions to coach whenever I hear you. You're my guy. I hear you in there. You're getting those questions, and at these press conferences, you're doing a really good job. Really appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate it, JT. Thank you so much. You got it. Levi Edwards, follow him, and uh, go check out the work that he's doing at Raiders.com. When we come back, reaction to our Raiders all-time team as we look at the wide receivers. Anybody have a problem with what I have? Jerry Rice on the second unit. Tim Brown, Freddie, Cliff, and Art Powell on the first unit. Some of the honorable mentions. A lot of good receivers have played for this team, but... There's four or five gold jackets that are worthy 
in this league, let alone this franchise. And we think we did a good job covering them the last couple of days on Raider Nation Radio. You. The Raiders take over, first and 10 from their own 20. Stabler looking for a receiver under pressure, and Ciani is all alone. Oh, Somebody wow. Fell down. I believe Calvin Jones fell down, 80-yard touchdown. Well, that's not fooling around about it, I'll guarantee you that. He was 15, 20 yards behind him. Little Calvin Jones, I believe, slipped and fell at midfield. Slips don't count. Here's Mike Ciani as he comes off. You've got number 21. That's Randy Montgomery that goes with him in the beginning. That's the guy that fell, but he was behind him going in. There's nobody back there in the middle. Well-thrown ball. Good break stride. And now... You got the Oakland Raiders out in front. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Resorts World Las Vegas, the newest property on the Strip. Yeah, Resorts World's great. Scott Sabella's vision of building the ultimate casino property here with sports, everything he does there from Eight Cigar Lounge to all the other places to go dine, Gatsby's, go up to the rooftop bar, all the pools, fantastic. Resorts World, proud partner of Raider Nation Radio. So I want to thank Danny, who stepped in for Bobby today. Great job, Danny, as we tried to pull this off from the facility, and we're getting better and better every time we do this. I'll be off on Thursday and Friday. I'll be hosting the Jim Rome Show nationally. If you get a chance to hear that from 9 a.m. to noon Pacific, that's on radio and television. So I'm going to drive out of here. I get a head start. I'm not coming from deep Summerlin. I'm coming from deep Henderson. So my next stop is Baker and the world's largest thermometer before I get to Barstow, before I cruise into the OC for a few days. And then next week, it's absolute go time with the Niners coming into town. We'll have the dual workouts with them, the scrimmage, which I think is going to be intense because these guys are going to want to fly around and hit each other. I love the advent of seeing more and more of that during training camp. That will be the future of training camp in decades to come. Not about the games, but about these practices and scrimmages. And then the Raiders and Jimmy Garoppolo, most likely not. But who's going to play quarterback for the 49ers? 49ers, pound for pound, have the best roster in football other than the quarterback position. I am not a believer of Brock Purdy. I'm not. I'm not a believer in him. I think he's very good. I'm Matt, Matt Jones Matt Jones comes out of Alabama, a very good player at a high level, and I wasn't a huge believer of him, and he's had some shining moments in this league. And Purdy's played well, but I just wouldn't bank a Super Bowl roster on a quarterback coming off an elbow injury who I expect to regress in year two. A lot of quarterbacks take a step back when there's film out on him. You tell me Sam Darnold and Trey Lance are going to bring him to the Super Bowl? It's going to be very interesting to watch the 49ers this year. Uh, Q's coming up next. Saw him a lot today. He grinds as hard as anybody, keeps this station rocking, puts us all out there on the road. Great job. Q's got a big show coming up next. I'll be back on Monday. Harry Ruiz in tomorrow and Friday. Thanks, Alexandra, everybody here at Silver and Black Productions for giving us the studio today. And I appreciate you listening. If you missed the podcast or any portion of the show, just go to lvsportsnetwork.com. And we'll do it again. Thank you so much for listening. At JT the Brick on Twitter.